to Matthew chapter 26. I realize that this is cough drop season. Uh, so if you see someone dying next to you, share with them. Share, share. Uh, I know some of you ladies have five or six different brands in your uh, uh, purses right now. Cough drop for every cough. Uh, every type of cough. Um, as we looked at God's Word this morning, uh, we realized that, uh, and, and I want to tell you, some of you say, well, we've been in the book of Matthew so long, I don't, are there any other books in the Bible? Uh, uh, I, I want to tell you that as, as I picked this, and as I talked with our staff about uh, going through the book of Matthew, uh, the re- there was a reason, there was a reason, it wasn't just, uh, let's start at the beginning of the New Testament, we'll just start there. Um, it, it was, it's a book about uh, a new kingdom. And w- when I think of this particular church and where we're at, um, there's a danger for us to be either creating our own kingdom, uh, thinking that we're great and our own king, or even collectively that we would come together and say, aren't we great? Um, and that's exactly what Jesus was coming uh, to change. As he presented himself as this new king and his new kingdom, he was showing a better way, a way out of that. And so and in a day like today, I just want to encourage you, there is a better way. It's not your way. Um, and our, our world has never needed a message so much as it has now, this idea that, that we would go with Jesus, that we would follow after Him, that we would follow His lead and not seek our own. And so uh, we continue in that. And this morning we see one who didn't buy in, one who didn't buy in, and that's Judas. And so if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to uh, read from... Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, uh, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I, deliver, um, if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare uh, for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city and a certain man uh, and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of Him, but woe to the man 
to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Uh, We ask that you would help us to think clearly of where we stand with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. Most of you uh, have heard of Judas before. Uh, When you were thinking of naming names uh, of your children, Judas Iscariot uh, didn't really have a good ring to it usually. Most people, because of what he represents, uh, you have the 12 disciples and in the midst of that, you have this one, this one. You have some you, you don't hear a lot about. You, you have some you hear a lot about, a lot about. And then there's Judas, and then there's Judas. Um, in our passage, uh, if you were here last week, you saw the first uh, couple of uh, sections in the chapter 26, and they were preparation uh, the chief priests, the leaders at Caiaphas Palace, they, they got together and they were plotting and planning. This is how they were preparing. And then you have uh, this scene with the disciples and this woman uh, breaking this incredibly expensive vase, uh, this idea, this perfume, this expense, and she poured it over. She anointed him. It was her preparation. And now you have a third preparation. It's the preparation of Judas himself. And how does he prepare uh, is, is fascinating. Is, and, and we want to see this as a passive thing. We want to see it as just an opportunity. And yet how it's written and recorded by Matthew under the inspiration of God is that Judas liked it. He saw the opportunity. He had heard of the plot. And given the opportunity, he turns uh, and he leaves one team to be in, on another. He becomes, some would say, the double agent, if you will, or the spy. He appears to be with one side, but then is part of the other. In verse 14, it says that one of the twelve whose name was Judas Iscariot, and even as uh, Matthew writes this, uh, he, by saying one of the twelve, he's kind of underlining and highlighting and emboldening this idea that he was one of the twelve. And Judas had seen everything that the other ones had seen as well. He had walked with Jesus. He had seen his compassion, his tenderness. He had, he had seen the miracles. He had seen the kindness that he displayed. He also had seen the, the exacting purposed teaching to those Pharisees, those other religious leaders, and and he saw that as well. And Judas, his response to this is just waiting. He's just waiting and seeing his opportunity. Uh, This one who's part of the 12 uh, takes opportunity. This one of the 12, the name of Judas Iscariot, he went to the chief priests and he said, 
What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? What will you give me? What's it worth to you to have Jesus? Uh, we, sometimes we struggle with this whole idea of why, why didn't they just arrest him? Well, as you look to the previous passages, you remember that in, in the first section of chapter 26, uh, it, the, the thing that they were most concerned about in verse 5 they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And so they were looking for a way uh, to somehow get him in their possession without causing an uproar. And so Judas, possibly hearing of their plans, came up with a plan of his own and said, what an opportunity for me. I'm close to Jesus. No one would ever suspect me. And so he goes to the chief priests and he says, what's it worth to you? And really, uh, he wasn't asking what's it worth to them. He was asking what's it worth to him. And, and this just brings up this awful thing in my own heart. Is, is at what price, at what price would I do that? At what price? What would there be, uh, what kind of temptation, what amount of money, what position, what person, what, what thing in front of me would cause me to want to sell out the Savior? What would it be? This, to Judas, uh, we find out his price, don't we? Uh, well, at least we find out a price that he's willing. Maybe he would have got, done it for less. The chief priests, um, as he said, they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And those 30 pieces of silver have become the mark or the symbol of the sellout of the Savior of the cost of, of turning on, on Jesus, 30 pieces of silver. As we look at that, um, it was a lot of money. Um, some have suggested, once again, they're struggling with that year's compensation or less than that or a little bit more than that. Um, we realize any amount of money is a lot, especially if you don't have any. Uh, but that was Judas' price. That was, that was what he was willing to do for. And I want to tell you, that was his preparation for the cross. That was his preparation. That's what he did. As, as this uh, huge event was coming together, Judas takes his spot in the story. He takes his place. The chief priests and the other religious leaders, they're, they're getting in their places. Uh, the disciples and this woman takes her place. She prepares Jesus' body for his death and burial. And now Judas, he gets in his spot, his place. And it says in verse 16, And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Uh, this new plan was now the, in the forefront of his mind. And 
what must that have been like for Judas, knowing the deal that he had made, and now going and being with the other disciples and with Jesus? We know that deal has gone on, and that's where we pick up uh, this account in verse 17. And this is the time and the place. This is coming together in, in, into this one moment in time where Jesus is going to give himself. It says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare to eat Passover? Unleavened bread was the, the whole time and it, it incorporated Passover and uh, days after where they would consider when God had provided for them in the desert, not, not in the desert, in Egypt, and that He had covered over them and He had protected them, that plague of the firstborn. And, and so they commemorated that and they longed for it and they understood this idea that, that God was going to provide and that He does provide for them. And it was this reminder over and over again. The Jewish world stopped. They stopped and they considered and they took time. And it was about to begin. It was coming to that time. The chief priests, the leaders knew it. They, in fact, they, they feared it. Uh, because they knew that if it were in the midst of that, it would be messy and there would be crowds and that it would maybe cause a riot. And so uh, they, they knew that it was coming and yet it was coming together. And, and Judas had already uh, made the deal, so he was a part of that as well. But now is the time. And so the disciples came and they said, where are we going to eat? It's not just because they were hungry, but because they knew it was this special commemorative meal. This meal where they were going to reflect on God's goodness and consider together, together what was going on, what God had done. And so they came to Jesus um, and realized this too, that uh, Jesus and his disciples, they just kind of went. They just kind of went. They stayed in different places at different times. And so the idea is that they came and they knew that Jesus always had a plan because he always did have a plan, right? Uh, even when it seemed like uh, it needed a miracle, he had one, right? Uh, and so they were wondering, where are we going to uh, eat this Passover meal? And Jesus says, much like he talks about the entrance into the city with the colts, uh, he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples go into the town, and we don't know uh, if Jesus had, um, had prearranged something. That very well could, could have been. He, he could have had one of his followers in town there, and he said, uh, there's going to be a time, I know this is coming, I'm going to send my disciples, and all you need to do is provide us a room. That could have happened. Or, as part of his magnificent, uh, even miraculous, that he could... Uh, they could have picked some random person and it would have been a person that understood that this was something special and at a moment's notice opened their home to him and the disciples. We don't know. But as uh, he goes, we see this, this amazing thing that uh, God is doing, working out his plan in Jesus. Working out his plan in Jesus. 
And so the disciples go, they go, and all these things happen. They make preparation. I want to back up just a little bit in this passage and talk to you about uh, a little phrase in there that Jesus says, this is kind of the signal to this one owner of the home um, where they're going to share Passover. This is, my time is at hand. My time is at hand. You can see this throughout the Gospels that Jesus was orchestrating the timeline. That uh, there were different times where they wanted to make him king. And he says, no, it's not my time yet. Uh, there was different times where he, uh, he got the crowd excited and you thought that maybe it was that time where the chief priests were going to come and take him. And he says, no, but it's not my time yet. And you wonder why sometimes Jesus is pushing himself to the front and making a display and other times he's withdrawing. And the reason he withdrew was because it was not his time yet. I'm always fascinated that, um, that we're very time con- conscious. Uh, how many of you like being on time? You like it. Like, you cannot live without being on time. Uh, some of you are like, the bell schedule, I love it. Uh, some of your retired teachers got one set up at your home, I know, you know. Uh, time for dinner, uh, recess. Uh, um, we love it. We, uh, sometimes we look like looking at our calendar and seeing what events are going on. And we, we like the schedule and all that's going on. And uh, the, the worst days, you, you know what they are, Right? When your schedule doesn't work out the way, when you show up 15 minutes late and you have to, uh, you feel like you have to talk to everyone in the room. No, really, let me explain to you why I'm late. Um, uh, I I understand that. I understand that. But what you have here, and and I hope you can see this, is that uh, the chief priests had their plan. They, they were plotting and planning. They were being strategic of what they were going to do. The disciples had their plan. Uh, they kind of were putting the pieces together, and uh, they said, well, wouldn't it be great if this happened and then this? And th- they were setting up their plan. Judas, uh, he, he was setting up his plan. He was making it up, and he says, this is what I'm going to do. And Jesus, in the midst of all that, by the will of the Father is saying, I am working out the Father's plan. And uh, he doesn't say it, but he shows it. It will prevail. will prevail. Even the plans of sinful men will bow to the plan of the Father. And in this case, in the plan of the Father, in the Son. In the Son, the one who is going to redeem So Jesus is mindful, though others aren't seeing it, that his time is now coming. The time is at hand. He is going to the cross. So this comes, this preparation. We we now move from him, or this preparation of this place for the meal, to the meal itself, and back to Judas, and back to Judas. 
It says in verse um, 20, when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. Now I want to tell you, there's a famous artist, right? Uh, he said, hey, I'll, I'll get in the picture and look this way. I'm going to take a picture. No, uh, I'm going to paint a picture just in a moment. No, that's not how it probably was, okay? I won't lay down on the floor and show you how they reclined. Um, one pastor used to do that all the time, and we heard him preach the same message over and over again, and it was very awkward. And he had me lay down and recline on the stage with him here at Bear Valley Church. <laughs> it was wild. Uh, it was quite a day. Um, the things you do when you're a youth pastor. Um, um, but it, it's this idea, m- more like a coffee table or even a low coffee table, with pillows that the, the food would be on the table and they would recline around that table. Um, and, and this is uh, the way they spent their time at Passover and as they, they talked among themselves and uh, most likely not, uh, as you think of 13 of them in a room, 13 men and, and sharing in this time and maybe even some servants and uh, other people floating in and out. I don't know, it doesn't say. Um, but what you have, what you have is Jesus with his disciples. And we don't have a good, uh, I know that when we do a, a Bible study here at Bear Valley Church, for the most part, we do it around a table. And we all can hear one another's comments. Uh, that isn't necessarily so in this Passover meal. So with that said, this is what we get from Matthew, from Matthew recording for us uh, what Jesus shared. And he really focuses not on many of the details about the, the meal or conversation, but specifically the betrayal of Judas. Verse 20, when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Um, think of all that's gone on. He's called these men to him. They've walked with him. They've seen his miracles. They've heard his teaching. They've seen his kindness and compassion, his patience with them. And now he says to them, he says to them, one of you will betray me. Um, if I said something like that, even here uh, this morning here at Bear Valley Church, one of you, one of you has this situation. One of you is hiding a secret. One of you uh, is about ready to commit a sin. It, there's this sense where it immediately changes the tone of what's going on. Um, Jesus uh, some of us would have scolded Jesus and said, oh, you're ruining a really nice Passover meal. Uh, you, you're, you're bringing up something. Why don't you just keep it light, you know, just kind and happy and celebratory? Jesus doesn't do that. He says, one of you will betray me. And, and in so saying, one of you, uh, he does something. Immediately, uh, the disciples wonder if they're the one. Uh, he doesn't say, Peter, you're going to betray me. Uh, he doesn't speak of uh, Judas. Judas, you're the one. 
But he throws it out there like this, saying, one of you is going to betray me. It causes them to be introspective, right? It causes them to say, hey, am I the one? In fact, uh, Matthew records for us that their response, first of all, it was sorrowful, it uh, broke their heart. Um, both, and, and you know why it would break their heart. You know, they, they saw themselves as Jesus' team, right? That, he, that they were the followers, the, these faithful followers of Jesus, and, and that they would be with them. Remember, Jesus had told them um, four or five times recorded in the book of Matthew that he was going to the cross. He was going to be crucified. And this idea that they were going to be with him, and in some ways they felt like they were going to be able to stop it, but that they saw themselves as this band of brothers around Jesus. But they were sorrowful and began to say to him, to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? Is it I? Um. And you know why, right? You know why? Uh, because they knew. They knew in their hearts. They, they'd love to say that they were perfect. They would love to say that they were faithful followers. And even Peter would blurt that out. But uh, in the end, he knew himself as well. That they were faithless. That they were floundering. And so they, they said to Jesus, and they went kind of, is it I, Lord? Is it I? Am I the one? Verse 23. He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. Um, that's very interesting because uh, you, can, uh, you can imagine that uh, all of them is a past tense event, right? It was something that had gone on in the meal and uh, something had happened and uh, they, they were all probably wondering, now, now did I put my hand in? Like, you know, they're trying to reflect, like, did I, was I close enough that, oh, it wasn't me, I was standing, okay, I'm good, you know. Uh, but Judas knew, Judas knew. And, and Judas, you can imagine what was going on in his mind when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Well, Jesus is going, how does he know? How does he know? What does he know? Does he know, did somebody tell him about the 30 pieces of silver? Did, did somebody tell him that I went and, and I was with him? As, uh, as this conversation goes, uh, Jesus tells who, who's going to be identified and how. Um, he speaks of the one who has his hand dipped in the bowl. And then, then that next uh, part of the scripture I find... Uh, Important for us this morning. Jesus identifies uh, that it's the one who dipped his hand in the bowl along with him. And then in verse 24, he says, The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the Son is betrayed. He acknowledges something in the ESV. It's kind of vague, but it's that plan of the Father again, right? That, that He is going to the cross. Jesus is resolute. He's focused. It's the plan. It's going to happen. 
And, and now you, you've got these parallel realities. The enemy is doing his work in trying to thwart salvation of man. The Father is bringing about salvation of men through his Son, Jesus. And Jesus says, the Son of Man, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But woe to the one. Woe to the one who participates in the plan. You look at this and you realize, uh, what if Judas hadn't made the deal? They would have figured out another way, right? It would have happened. They would have found someone else. Somebody else would have participated. Another group would have risen up. It, It would have happened another way. Jesus is, as he's sharing this, he says, uh, this is going to happen to me as it is written, but woe to the man by, by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. And all the while, this is a private uh, admonishment and conversation with him and Judas, right? It's private because uh, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows that it's Judas except for him and Judas. The other disciples are participating, but they don't know what's going on. And so he's, he's giving this to Judas over and over again. And I want to I, I point something out. Judas could have repented right there. Could have repented right there. He could have said, Jesus, it's me. It's me. I'm the one. I, I'm sorry. This is what I've done. I I." I I want to I be done with this. I want you to change me. I want to be your follower. Forgive me. He could have bowed to his own guilt and uh, changed from being the one who was the betrayer to one who was the follower. But e- even the extension of Christ's hand to him over and over again, the warning, you don't want to be the one. Woe to the one who this betrayal comes to. In fact, he goes one step further in verse 24. It says, It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. He, he signals that this is not one small event, but this is a ruin of a life. Ruin of a life. Um, as Judas heard this, you, you, you're waiting for him. If you don't know the story, you're waiting for him to say, I don't want any part of this. And yet it never comes. Verse 25, Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. You have said so. He let him sit with his own words. We assume, I assume, that this wasn't in the hearing of everybody. It was probably like this. Face to face. I, don't, I don't know uh, how this all came about. But our other accounts uh, kind of share with us that they didn't quite understand that Judas was this one. Though they might have had their suspicions. A few thoughts uh, just as we close this morning. Um, and, and it's a cause for reflection in our own heart. The first one is this. Are you a swing voter depending on how it benefits you? Are you, are you one that 
um, would change sides in a moment depending on how it benefits you. This definitely uh, was Judas. Uh, he enjoyed the benefits of being a disciple, but when the opportunity arose, he changed sides in an instant, um, changing from one side to the other. Secondly, uh, remember this. The Lord knows who you are and who or what owns you. He knows you. Uh, I think so often... Uh, you get this picture of Judas that he had everyone else fooled, that nobody else uh, quite understood who he was. But all the while, Jesus knew. Uh, so much was Judas deluded that he made this deal and then went back in the presence of Jesus, knowing uh, or thinking somehow he could get away with it. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew, and He knows us all the time. He always knows who we are, what's going on in our heart. And lastly, um, and this we looked at last week as well, and I think it's appropriate again to bring up, maybe even a greater way, encourage us to be willing participants in the plan of the Father. Willing participants in the plan of the Father. Not the plan of the enemy. Judas was a willing participant in the plan of the enemy. Interestingly enough, uh, Judas, uh, we speak of Judas today, uh, and we will again uh, in the weeks to come, but we will be speaking of the great plan of redemption that Judas, in his sinfulness, plays a role, plays a role in the enemy's team. Yet God glorifies himself that even though the enemy is at work, his plan comes to fruition, it comes to conclusion, and he receives the glory in the end. Even in the midst of an enemy attack, enemy's plot and plans. So for us, we want to be people who are willing participants, following after Jesus, following the Father's plan. And, and let me just say this. Let me just say this this morning. Um, it's the Father's plan. It's the Father's plan. Whatever's going on in your life today, whatever, what, whatever's going on in your life today, somehow this is part of the Father's plan for you. You say, well, I don't want this part of the plan. I, I, I want to tell you, it, the, that's above your pay grade. You know, the, those, those things aren't, aren't, aren't in your opportunity. It, it, it's the idea that, God, what do you want me to do today? How, how, how should I follow you today? What do you want me to do? And just keep it simple. Keep it simple. You know what? Uh, you may have some things going on health-wise, and you say, I just can't stand it anymore. I just can't stand it anymore. I want to tell you, if you're still sick today, the Lord has granted you everything that you need to stand it today. I know that's hard. I know that's hard. I've seen it in you. I've seen it in people that I love and family members. I, I want to tell you, some of you have difficult marriages. 
Uh, some of you are making difficult marriages. Uh, I want to tell you today, God wants you to stay in that. He wants you to stay there. Why? Because this is planned for you. The enemy has other ideas for you. Don't, don't play on his field. Some of you are tired. Some of you are struggling with your parents. Some of you are struggling with your kids. I want to tell you, do and honor what the Lord wants for you. This is his plan for you today, right now. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you uh, for the blessing of this time, uh, even of seeing a portrait of one who walked away and would rather walk, uh, and walk with the enemy than walk with you. God, I ask that you'd stir in us hearts uh, that love to follow your lead, to love to take steps with you, to love to obey. God, thank you for this time. Glorify yourself in this church, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for today. Uh, you are dismissed.